Hello and welcome to the Public Procurement Podcast with me, Pedro Telso. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Franco Peyroni, a postdoctoral researcher at the Department of Business and Enterprise at the University of Piemonte Orientale in Novara, Italy. Franco's carried out his doctoral research at the University of Turin on corruption in public procurement, and he remains an active researcher in this area. It is no surprise then that the topic of today's talk is going to be corruption in public procurement, but this time from a more legal perspective than we've done in the past. Welcome to the show, Franco. Good evening, Pedro. Thank you for having invited me. Uh, thank you very much for accepting, and uh, also thank you for accepting to speak at such a late hour. So it's almost like, as you said, a Letterman show. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it's good. Great. So let's start with a short introduction about yourself and your PhD research. Okay, well, I started my PhD research at the University of Turin. Everything started during um, the economical crisis in 2011. I was just come back from uh, the Maastricht University where I spent a period of at the Erasmus program and uh, the focus on Italy was really high because everybody was cared about uh, Italian historical uh, deficiencies such as corruption or inefficiencies in public sector. So I tried to discover what's really went wrong in Italian public sector and uh, I decided to draw my attention on public contracts and corruption. To this end, uh, I decided to focus on an um, anti-corruption system and uh, particularly to uh, an anti-corruption system that really works well as the United States was. And for this reason, I spent a visiting period at the George Washington University under the supervision of uh, great teachers, Professor Schooner and Professor Eukins. And there I drew up some conclusion about uh, corruption, public procurement and public policy. Once I came back to Italy in uh, 2014, I was able to compare this two anti-corruption system and focus more on corruption in public procurement. What does it mean? Which kind of remedies we can think about it? And which is going to be the next direction of public procurement and anti-corruption tools? My PhD thesis at the very end really focus on compliance and ethics programs. They could be considered a broad and flexible anti-corruption tool. This is really interesting because anti-corruption program and as compliance ethics programs has moved from uh, one legal system to another one. From United States, been spread all around the world. They've been implemented in Italy, in United Kingdom, in Germany, as well as in Japan, as well as in Australia. And it's really interesting also noting that uh, anti-corruption programs have been moved twice. There has been a double legal transplantation, for the instance, in Italy from the United States to Italy and from the private sector, also in the public sector. So now we've got compliance programs, both in public and in private sector in Italy, for example. Let's focus for a minute on those compliance programs. What do they entail? What's included in them? Sure. Well, uh, compliance programs is an interesting topic because it bridges together criminal administrative law and public procurement law altogether. Compliance programs were born in the United States legal framework for avoiding the corporate liability in case of an employee misconduct. The legal assumption at the basis of compliance programs is the criminal law principle of corporate liability. Due to that, if an employee commits a crime, he acts on behalf of the corporation. And if the crime can advantage the corporation itself, also the corporation has to face with a trial. Corporations are there therefore held accountable for the crimes committed by the employees unless an effective and compliance program is implemented. To this end, a compliance program consists in a set of tools such as code of conduct, training programs, auditing, reporting, uh, disciplinary measures, 
directed to prevent and to repair uh, the employee misconduct, such as corruption, for example. By criminal point of view, criminal law point of view, by adopting an effective and compliance programs, corporations may demonstrate uh, to have used all the efforts needed to prevent uh, misconduct or crimes such as corruption. Do you apply the compliance programs before the crime occurs or after the crime occurs as a means to reduce the impact of the crime? Well, this counts in uh, both ways. I mean, having a compliance program is both important having ex ante before the crime is committed because in this way you demonstrate that the crime has been committed by one employee of yours, uh, corporation, but you have adopted all the needed preemptive measures. But you can also adopt after the crime is being committed. So in this way, you can demonstrate that you have adopted all the measures needed to repair, such as uh, affronting payment to the victims or collaborating and cooperating with uh, the prosecutor's authority. In this way, you can demonstrate to be a good corporate and obtaining lower fines or be absolving during the trial. It's interesting, this approach is uh, being adopted by all the anti-corruption tools all around the world. And there is no great matter about which kind of responsibility the corporation is facing with. It's no matter if it's called a criminal responsibility rather than administrative responsibility or something different. What is important is that all the anti-corruption uh, legal tools take corporations as accountable for the crime committed. So all the corporations all around the world need the compliance programs to prevent or to repair what has been done by its employee. Okay, but what legal systems will actually demand the compliance programs? Is it just the USA or do other jurisdictions also demand that? No, lots of jurisdictions demand that. In Europe, uh, it's the case of Germany, Italy, United Kingdom, as I already told you. What's important and is really interesting that by the United States government has gone beyond. Interesting, they adopted the compliance programs even in public procurement law because through compliance programs, the United States government can select which kind of corporations they want to deal with. Uh, the government uses compliance programs as a benchmark for corporation reliability in government contracts. This happened since uh, 2008. Uh, the compliance programs have been implemented and required for federal contractors within the general legal framework for federal contracts in the uh, United States. This is called the responsibility determination. It's a way to testify the integrity of the contractor and for testifying this integrity, the government requires that the contractor has to have a compliance programs. So how is the assessment done? So you said that it's used by the federal government to assess uh, contractors. How is it done? Well, it's done before getting the award. The government look if the corporation has implemented effective compliance programs. The federal acquisition regulation that are the general legal framework for this kind of uh, government purchasing provides that three days before the award is done, the compliance programs has to have implemented within itself a code of conduct, a training programs, and especially such kind of measures that can prevent corrupting activity from the corporation in governmental contracts. So it's the last uh, standard that the awarding authority do before making the award. So in United States, the perspectives before evaluating the tender and at the very end, just the contractor, because it's a kind of cost-effective perspective. In this way, they're just going to get, um, give the award to really responsible contractors who has implemented within themselves all the needed measures to prevent corruption. 
So why don't they do that at, let's say, selection stage like uh, we have here in Europe? Well, this is a really interesting topic and uh, the legal thinkers about uh, from Europe and United States really discuss and argue about this. From their perspective, they do at the very end because it could be perceived as an anti-competitive issue stating who is a good contractor before and so will the, uh, limit the competition if they will do this at the very beginning of the award selection as we do. Another point is that by their point of view, uh, United States government thinks that in this way they can just uh, select the good contractor at the very end. And so it is really cost effective because they just can pass to another contractor if the first one has not implemented the compliance programs. It's a really different perspective. I think in the United States, they really is a, a more subjective way to award the contract, but at the very end is really compliance with the law and ethics because these compliance programs are really strict and government accountability office really takes care about integrity from governmental contractors. That is the, the view in the US. You said before that the UK and also Italy, they do have compliance programs. How do they compare with the American one? Well, the implementation in Italy and UK has been really different. I'm, I've chosen these two countries because they are both EU countries, but it's a good way to show how it's difficult and different implementing legal tools from a system to another one. Italy has adopted compliance programs in 2001 for regulating its corporate criminal liability. But the Italian implementation of the model has substantially failed because several reasons. The legal tools for supporting the model, such as the code of conduct or the training programs, have been poorly realized in the Italian um, framework. And um, many Italian corporations have just copied the standard compliance and ethics program without adapting them to their specific needs. And uh, last, uh, the list of criminal conducts that the corporation has to avoid is really too extended. As a consequence, corporation cannot really focus on white-collar crimes to prevent, such as corruption. And so the deterrence effect is really low in Italy. Last, the model has, has not been used by awarding authorities to stimulate governmental contractors' reliability. They have been totally ineffective in promoting integrity in public procurement. So in your view, what should have been changed in the transposition from the USA to Italy? Well, I think what we should do is uh, linking more crime in a law, public procurement law and administrative law uh, would be really a good um, step in uh, promoting integrity in public contracts if each kind of contractor would be proven and tested by its, its integrity within the supply chain and um, with its uh, commitment to integrity is uh, really notorious that all the Italian corporations have really have great problem with managing integrity within themselves and uh, training its um, employees to towards ethics and toward compliance with the law. By a legal point of view, as I see, the Italian um, model is really complicated because it's uh, referred to uh, such kind of uh, not criminal liability of the corporation because there is like uh, all the criminal law principles for a corporation cannot be sanctioned by criminal sanction, but must be sanctioned otherwise. This is really kind of all the legal principle can endure the effectiveness of compliance programs. 
As I see otherwise, as we were mentioning, the UK as uh, the UK government has implemented this the same tool in a really effective way because they didn't stick on with a really difficult uh, transposition of uh, such kind of corporate liability. They've just settled a new, completely new criminal law provision that is the failure to prevent bribery. If a crime is committed within a corporation, the corporation is sanctioned just for having failed to prevent uh, a crime such as bribery within itself. This has been done uh, within the Bribery Act of 2010 that is, has been considered the most advanced legal tools in fighting corruption. And the United Kingdom government has done really well because it's also stimulate, stimulated the corporation to commit themselves towards integrity. For example, uh, promoting the whistleblowing uh, against other corporations or uh, promoting the self-reporting uh, during criminal trial. All this stuff do not exist in Italy because uh, we move in another in totally different uh, criminal law context which does not allow this kind of cooperation among corporation and public authorities. The overall approach in Italy is really bureaucratic, is really rigid, while the United Kingdom, as I've seen, as I have studied, is uh, really flexible and proactive and really help uh, to ensure integrity within the public and private relationship. My question will then be, if that is the case, how can you be sure that the UK model would work in Italy well when the American one didn't? <laughs> this is a really good question. Well, I think that the path to achieve this point will be operating at uh, the EU level uh, while implementing uh, the new EU directive on public procurement. We know that corruption is a really a point that everybody has noticed is really important within the directive because, uh, as we say, at Article 57, we see corruption as a ground for exclusion. It could be considered corruption according to the national law of the tenderer, rather the national law of the awarding authority, rather than the EU directive's uh, notion of corruption in international security, or uh, according to EU convention um, against uh, corruption. So the, the focus on corruption is really high. As I see, Article 57 could represent a step for all the awarding authority in all Europe to evaluate uh, corruption, so commitment to integrity for the um, corporation, no matter what uh, is the legal framework at the basis of the um, national legal system. By just operating as uh, EU awarding authorities, they can decide themselves if the corporation has effectively implemented the compliance programs, if they have effectively committed towards integrity. So in your view, what should change at your level? Well, at the EU level, I think that could be and should be improved the function of compliance and ethics program. Article 57 of the new EU directives really provide uh, the possibility for the corporation and for the ORD to adopt the self-cleaning measures. But uh, these self-cleaning measures have just been viewed until uh, right now as um, a general provision that could be considered as an exception to exclusion, but uh, should, cannot really push corporation to act with integrity and complying with the law. I think Article 57 is an interesting starting point, but should be really implemented by the national legal system, giving more broad scope to compliance programs and, uh, where it's possible, being required uh, to the governmental contractor as actually happens within the United States legal system. Awarding authorities at the EU level have a really important task right now. Being able to evaluate if a contractor could get the award because it's uh, complied with integrity, 
at the same time, uh, not being too much strict in evaluating a corporation if it does not uh, comply with traditional scheme of compliance ethics programs, because we know that uh, these awarding authorities operate at really low level. So they have not the same uh, human resources or technical capacities uh, to debar a company as happens in the United States legal framework. So it's um, a really hard task, but I think the commitment to source cleaning within the compliance ethics program is the mood, is the path to merge together awarding authorities and corporation towards integrity within public procurement. Do you think that should be done at the contracting authority level or at the member state level or even at the EU level? Because it's one thing for you to, let's say, block a company that has been accused or found involved in, in bribery actions as a contracting authority is something different for the company to be sanctioned at the member state level or even at EU level. Well, as I see, I think that uh, what we can call the responsibility determination, I mean, verifying if a contractor is good for getting an award could be done at the awarding authority level. So each kind of awarding authority could be done from itself. Usually the awarding authority is the authority who knew more about the contractor and so should have the needed discretion for giving an award or not according to Article 57 to the grant of exclusion for itself. What should be instead done at uh, the member state level rather than at the EU level, I think should be the debarment to the suspension of the corporation. In this case, a company or the corporation that has been debarred from an awarding authority from a single member state should be excluded from all the contracts from all the European Union awarding authorities. As I see, this is the same way they've done in the United States legal system. If a company has been debarred, uh, let's say, at uh, the federal level, the same company cannot get an award at the state level. The debarment is automatic. So, as I see, when staff is doing a responsibility assessment and should be done at the awarding authority level without prejudice to the corporation, while a serious administrative decision as debarment should be done at a higher level, mm-hmm. maybe from a higher authority, which uh, should have extra territorial jurisdiction, I mean, operating in all the European uh, member states. Very well. Speaking still on corruption, what should happen to contracts where corruption is found? Mm. Public contracts. Yeah, sure. Uh, this is another topic I've dealt with during my PhD thesis. And um, uh, starting from United States legal system, that has been my main reference. It's really interesting noticing that um, within the United States legal framework, the wording authority has a really large discretion to terminate the contract if it's proven that the awardee has obtained the same contract due to corruption. There is no need for a criminal conviction to termi- for terminating the contract. It's enough uh, an administrative decision from the same awarding authority that certifies that the corruption uh, has happened within the award. Nonetheless, it is interesting noting that in many cases, especially in the most expensive contract, even in front of corruption, awarding authority prefer not to terminate the contract and going on with the original, even if criminal, awardee. This is the notorious case of Boeing, uh, the case is also known as uh, Darlene Duyon de Bac, wherein a public official has manipulated uh, the score in favor of the Boeing and the companies get uh, the award. Well, even in front of corruption, uh, the needs uh, of the military sector in this case, uh, the, the overall interest of the government always prevail. And so the awarding authority preferred to continue the contract and not to terminate it, uh, 
and uh, continue with the previous award. I would like to underline that uh, this happens also in Italy, also in other uh, European Union member states. The public interest to fulfill the contract always prevail. This also happened uh, within the Expo case. This is really a big case of public procurement corruption in Italy. Which Expo? The Expo in Milan? Exactly, 2015. Yeah, there was a big corruption scandal about uh, the award of the public works for building uh, the main pedagion, the main uh, infrastructure in Italy. And uh, even if uh, it was possible to terminate the contract since the award had corrupted the award commission for such kind of public works, the Supreme Administrative Judge in Italy decided the contract was to put on a compulsory administration. That means that there is an illegal expert coming from the state that manage the award, but the contract has not been terminated because the governmental authorities prefer never, they never want to terminate the contract. And this trend at the very end uh, penalized the honest contractor because even in front of big corruption, uh, they never get the award. There's two different things here. One is a public interest in getting the job done. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that more often than not, the contracting authorities don't really care about the corruption. They just want to get the job done because at the end of the day, that's where their interests lie. And also that's where they expose in terms of uh, reputational risk. Whereas the corruption, it's almost like, okay, so they're corrupt, but they're still doing the job. So we need the job done. So it's probably underplayed by the contracting authorities in the decision makers' heads in their own frame set of values. Absolutely, absolutely agree with you, exactly. So how can we change this? Well, there are several <laughs> views um, in this path. I mean, uh, what could be done and what could, should be changed in this way? It's uh, preferring to terminate the contract and uh, going on with another award. There are several contractual tools, uh, they are called by Transparency International Integrity Pacts. Through this pact, uh, adopted within the award, it is possible to provide that if the awardee has corrupted the award commission and so the overall award has been corrupted, it's possible to instantaneously terminate the contract and get the contract to the second economic operator uh, within the award, uh, the other bidding operators. But the thing is, it's easy to do that if you catch the corruption or you find the corruption and that's certain about it, which is not always easy. But if you do it straight away after you awarded the contract, if you're six months or a year into the contract, you simply may not have the ability to go back to the second contractor because they may no longer be interested or have the resources to undertake that contract. I totally agree. I think in this point is uh, we really need a better communication between criminal law and procurement law. Because uh, as we see in Article 57, for instance, we always need a final judgment about criminal conviction of corruption. And we know, at least in Italy, but this really needs takes a lot of time for having a final criminal conviction of corruption. What should be done? What should be done it's, as it's done in the United States? Just relying on administrative decision by the awarding authority that something has gone wrong, something has been corrupted within the award. And so not waiting for the criminal conviction, but evaluating if the integrity of the awardee is questionable. This could be done even at the EU level, according to Article 57. It provides that a tender may be excluded whereas its integrity is questionable. I think this could be done also once the contract is awarded. And if the 
integrity of the award is questionable, terminate the contract as it's possible according to Article 73 of the same directive, and so getting with the second economic operator rather than the score. But again, that still depends on a very quick finding that the tender is questionable and the tender is subject to those problems. Absolutely. This, I think this is far more better than waiting for a climate conviction, but it's always a stiff decision that the awarding authority should take timely and should take, uh, of course, with uh, even hearings uh, and uh, notice and comments from uh, the ORD. Well, the other path is waiting that the contract is done, discovering after the corruption has been made, and then uh, giving uh, relief to the second economic operator. And this is going not to promote integrity with public procurement, rather than it's going to be an economical and financial loss to the awarding authority, also to give uh, uh, relief to the second economic operator. So the damage is double at the very end. You have paid a corrupted contractor, and then later you have pay an honest contractor because he has not getting the award that he has deserved, by the way. Very well. I think we are up to the limit of our time. Thank you very much, Franco. Thank you very much, Pedro. It was really interesting, and thank you for your time. As usual, you can find me at my blog, tellish.eu, or on Twitter, where I use two handles, at Detic for general discussion, and also at Public Procure for public procurement-related topics. As ever, I'm grateful for the support of the British Academy Rising Star Engagement Awards, which made possible this project. See you next time.